Hello, Paul here. Thank you for deciding to put this podcast in your ears, these conversations with people who make things about the what, the how and the why of their creativity. If you haven't already, then why not subscribe via Apple Podcast or whatever your streaming portal of choice is. It's on most of them. And if you are interested in creativity, making the things that are most important to you and how to bring all of that more deeply into everyday life, then you might find some stuff of interest at my website, paulmccauley.net. Give that a second. And that's it. Thank you again and enjoy the episode. Does anyone else remember the programme Due South? So few people do. And the people who do, like, I don't think they really love it as much as I love it. I was thinking about it today. I just love those guys. Benton Fraser and Ray Vecchio and Little Wolf, Stephen Baker. I think I've been thinking about TV because of a uh, conversation with the person on this episode of the podcast, Michelle Donkin, who's a writer. And uh, quite neatly, our conversation is kind of uh, starts and ends with TV references. Kind of TV references that uh, kind of remind me of stuff I used to watch when I was a kid at the same time as uh, Michelle would have been, like Sequest DSV. Star Trek. So, you know, if you like that kind of stuff, that's where we're starting. And if you do want a, uh, a five-minute explanation as to why the programme Supernatural is worth watching, all 14 seasons of it, then uh, stick around to the end and Michelle will give you that. So Michelle is a writer and producer and so there's quite a lot of this conversation pertains to writing stuff but also there's something in here about authenticity and voice and that spirit of helping others who are on the same sort of journey as you which she articulates at points in really touching ways I'll come back to that after the conversation but for right now this is me and Michelle Duncan having a chat in those moments of flow you know there's a great sense of like anyone who sits there and goes, oh, that's a talent I can't draw, just hasn't had the right teacher. And actually, sometimes you know, you have to write so many things, so much stuff that'll never go on. Because if it's not getting any reaction at all, or just a man, it'll just work out what shit you want. Try harder. So it's having that sense of, well, I'm just making stuff because I know there'll be someone out there and they'll need it and they'll have it. It's just a little bit of, you know. A slight feminism of going, oh, I should really keep my name for professional purposes. And also, because I went to film school under that name and any scripts that I've done, of um, like work that, plays that I've done have been under that name, I was like, oh, I'll keep it for that. But like in everyday life, definitely Alan. Because yeah. that surname is just like a noose around my neck. I mean, gosh, the rhymes alone. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's a clangor. Although we did invent the tin can, apparently. But not a way to open it. Did we, I tell... I've, I think I've told you that before, possibly. Uh, it sounds, it sounds yeah. familiar, but... Look, so, the Donkins... Yeah. ...invented the tin can. Apparently, according to a cousin of mine who's done a bit of, like... Right. ...research on it, up in Yorkshire, there's, like... Uh, there's, a, there's a whole Donkin clan, and they... Uh, there's something to, something to do with the tin can... 
and the Donkin family and there was a whole factory, the Donkin factory and it's also quite a big name in Australia I think as well ah. um, and South Africa but yeah there's, there's, there's a link to tin cans but something about not being able to open it but that might have been on QI. But yeah, it was invented as a way, yeah, as you know, as a way to store goods. Um, but yeah, something to do with Donkins and tin cans. There you go. That's a thing. So it's worth holding on for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, you know, it's got, it's got pedigree, that name. Mm. Of, <laughs> it's, a, it's an awful name, but it's, uh, uh, my dad gave it me. But yeah. That's dad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Can I, uh, a totally random question. Yes. Whose career do you admire or envy? Oh, envy. And, and, and what's the difference between <laughs> admiration and envy? For me, very little. <laughs> oh, so many people. Everyone. Anyone that's ever, like, achieved stuff. Um, no, I'm so, I am, I am quite competitive. Um but I try to keep it in a kind space that inspires me. But um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, I mean, yeah. oh my, everything about her. Yeah. I adore her. She's kind of like a national hero at the moment. At the moment, yeah, yeah. And there's nothing, nothing the Brits like more than a national hero, so give it a few years. Um, but yeah, she is just, Magnificent, and the, she started out doing dry white in in theatre, which was, from my understanding, was a, a short play nights. And as actors, they would come in and they would just kind of, you know, see where scripts went, and they were really interested in audience reaction. And she really cut her teeth doing that kind of pushing taboo, and seeing what what where the the line was where audiences would laugh, cry, get angry be scandalised, you know, so she, and then to go on and do, you know, Fleabag is, mm. is brilliant. So it's not just, yeah. it's not just success because she's hugely successful, it's, yeah, no. uh, what was it, an attitude or a point? Yeah, I like, I like the way she, I just like, yeah, I like her writing and I like her, I don't really, uh, you know, I don't know so much about her performance I'm not an expert on I tend to anyone that that acts I just go yeah it's brilliant it's great um so I'm not an expert but she seems amazing you know in, in her performance on on t I've only seen her on tv uh but yeah I love her writing and, and like I love I love her style as well she's really really good style so mm. I'm kind of in a in a yeah fashionable fashion way yeah, yeah which is like I need I need like a new style like I'm rubbish at fashion or like how I should dress um and she's got that sort of I kind of <laughs> I kind of do my my fashion was always very like grungy doesn't matter but I'm entering my 40s now and that just starts to look really grubby <laughs> I'm like you just look a mess like there was a kid in my I, I teach and there was a kid in my class today and I was doing some sort of music thing and I was prancing around and I just heard this year one child go have you seen her hair and it wasn't a compliment. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, maybe I should brush it. I was, sort of, I was thinking I was like, like channeling Helen Bonham Carter and I wasn't at all. I just looked like someone had dragged me into class and but, told me to prance around singing Katy Perry. But, but yeah. if Helen, Helen Bonham Carter got yeah. dragged into leader class, she, yeah. 
you know. She'd she, shock them. Yeah. They? They'd yeah. Be the fun. smoking would be an issue, wouldn't yeah. it, probably? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, she just goes hard on that. Yeah, yeah. She's yeah. kind of doubled down on yeah. like, the crow's nest of hair. Yeah, yeah. And bright red lipstick yeah. or whatever. This is it. I just have the crow's nest of hair and forget the lipstick. So I just do just look really tired. <laughs> oh, I think you should just lean into it. <laughs> I should, further. I should. But I'm looking, no, I'm looking at um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge going, okay, that's that's the graceful exit out of the grunge phase into a kind of, but she's very, she's, I don't know if she is, but she strikes me as someone that's quite tall and willowy and I'm, I'm a lot, mm. you know, smaller than that. I may just look like, you know, like, I don't know what, something not great, trying to get into a really sharp pantsuit. Yeah, it might it might not work, but yeah, it's 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 a little note to go. Would would Phoebe Waller Bridge wear this? <laughs> and the, if what not, would Phoebe Waller Bridge. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. What would she do? So, how is it you're describing yourself and what you do at the moment? So, I am a writer, um, and a producer. I would say yes. That's mm. how I'm describing myself. Yeah. How different is that? description to how you talked about yourself like a year ago or five years ago so or ten years uh, ten ago. years ago ten years ago yeah, I think I've always thought I've always thought of myself as a writer and I wasn't yeah like I I theatre producing has sort of come come in the last sort of five years three years five years five years I think um, and I think, yeah, I, I think that, uh, I always, I always definitely consider myself to be a writer. Um, and it's nice now that I, that I can work as a sort of producer on a freelance basis as well. So I can, I can be creative in my daily life, mm. which is nice. And then get, you know, make a salary of some sort through a bit of writing and a bit of theatre producing and that's kind of the dream mm. yeah has um how's your relationship to your writing or thinking of, of yourself as a writer has that changed since doing more uh producing um have you thought about it differently i don't think it has changed they're both both very separate i i thought recently that I haven't written much theatre for a long time so I kind of yeah I think theatre has become more of the job um, and I think I will write theatre and I'll continue to write theatre but it it tends to be that the sort of working hours of my day uh, thinking about uh, creating work and producing work and trying to get you know commissions and stuff for work for theatre um and then giving that to other artists to do um and then my writing is something that I do more in the evening and free time and it's now more prose at the moment mm. but I think that's quite a fluid thing I think that's just recently I'm sure I'll write plays and continue to write plays it's just that the time that I'm allotted in every day for my that I've allotted for myself tends to be okay working hours of theatre producing and then free time is the current project and it just so happens that for the last year it's been writing a book which is amazing I'm very proud of yeah yes. uh, um, so how, how's that come back because uh, like so mm. in terms of how I 
have known you, it's through theatre and I've seen some of your work performed and I'm mm. aware of cast iron and stuff, so definitely in the theatrical thing. And then the idea that you were, uh, of you creating novels, quite a, a new thing. Yeah. Um, so where, where did all that come from? Well, that, so I, so do you want the, like, the long... <laughs> I was bored. <laughs> should, I, should I do the the well, long response to that, and then I'll forget more, what the question was by the minute. Whatever's more meaningful, I guess. So I think so. It's all for me. It's all writing. So it's all mm. it's all story, and that's what drives me. And I, I that's what I want to do. I want to spend as much as my day as possible making story. So. And that's kind of where the producing comes in and where the writing comes in and they all link. Um, they, they both serve that end. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, if there's if there's ways to pay the rent and do that, I am, like, living the dream as far as I'm concerned. I'm very, very happy to do that forever. And, and whatever portion of my day is split into that, that's fine. Mm. You know, that's already... I'm hugely lucky if I'm able to do that. And, and I feel like I'm hopefully hopefully getting you never feel like you're there but you know like I'm hopefully on that path um but yeah no writing so the different forms of writing that I do started off when I was little I've as I say I've always written stories so they started off at very primary school was little stories that were prose and then as a teenager, as a young, well, not probably as a teenager, to be honest, I was quite geeky. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a little bit younger than that, I would watch things like Sequest DSV and Star Trek. And I would write initially stories and I was like, no, and I don't know how, because this was pre-internet. But at some point I went, no, that's not how you put that on a screen. I need to learn how to write pl- uh, uh, screenplays. And then, you know, I'll get discovered and go to America and, and get to on the enterprise because those things were real <laughs> you know <laughs> so hollywood is space and um <laughs> it's uh, and uh and 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 i would write these amazing 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 screenplays where some plucky young british girl was uh suddenly on the you know on the enterprise and of, of course i would imagine that i would you know me and Wesley Crusher would, you know, <laughs> get along and they, they, you know, of course my, my work would be made and they'd go, but who would play this strangely geeky but attractive uh, young British girl? What about the writer? Because that's how it works in real life. <laughs> so that's what that, that, that's, and Sequest DSV, you know, Jonathan Brandis, the young boy in that, you know, that obviously there'd be some weird British girl on the, I can't believe I'm saying that on the on the Sequest DSV and um, they go, who would play that? I'd, what about the writer? So I I, I love that for so many reasons <laughs> because there are so many leaps of logic in it. Because it sounds like, <laughs> if I'm understanding correctly, it's all to get boys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But very specific boys. Yes. On either a submarine or a spaceship. Spa- very enclosed boys yeah, that yeah, can't yeah, run yeah. away. Yeah. yeah. And and the leap. So. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like recognizing okay how do i get there well these things are written all right yeah. so it's fictional so i'll write the thing and, yeah. I, and i and i will get invited get over invited and, and then and then i will 
be uh, asked to play the role that I've written for myself yeah. and then I will be in that situation. It's almost like I'm a natural fantasist, can you imagine? It's amazing. Yeah, but it's like act- I'm writing the script of my own life. I wonder, <laughs> I wonder why I'm a writer. Yeah, <laughs> but I always, I like kids at my school always like Take That and they would follow Take That. It's Take That, wasn't it? Yeah, no. I was thinking that was a bit, yeah, take that, Robbie Williams, all of them lot. Yeah. Um, and they would follow them around, like, when they were at the Big Brother house, um, gosh, they might listen to this as well, uh, <laughs> they were, they would, I remember them being like, oh, we'll go up to the Big Brother house and we'll meet them in real life, and and much as, like, I wasn't cool enough to do that, because I was like, oh, it's diving off school, or whatever it was, or it was a Saturday and I wasn't allowed, yeah. I just didn't think that that was logical, because in my head I was like, forget the fact that we're 12 and they're, you know, in their 20s or whatever, that that wasn't the issue, it was the fact that they would, they would look at us and go, but they're fans, and surely nothing would ever really, because they loved their fans, right. yeah. and in my little head I was like, nothing would ever happen with a fan um but so, if you were a writer if i was a writer so you know yeah if i was some so if i i wasn't into bands or music in that way it was always sequest dsv or star trek so but if i was into bands that's the kind of thing that i would have then gone i'll learn the guitar you know <laughs> oh i love that because yeah. it's like you know it's like a proper stalker yeah not, not your commoner garden it's not using <laughs> stalking or fantasy as a self-development yeah yeah i'm sure that's helping to learn a skill yeah let me learn learn a a skill yeah i think i can trace back almost all of my career choices down to a hot boy Um, (laughs) (laughs) really troubling yeah or someone that i idolized you know but um yeah so i'll i'll uh, I'll learn something or yeah i'll I'll get a skill in the room yeah i trained as a fitness instructor when i was 19 because i was a hot fitness instructor in the gym and i was like how can i get more time because i can't afford the fitness instructor like one-to-one sessions so what can i do i'll do an mvq and then he might like um wow give me tips worked it worked got a snog out there That's amazing. Nothing if not tenacious and a qualification. Yeah, tenacious and you know resourceful. It's like that's a lot of effort. Some people like, oh, Uh, I'd rather if I, I'll, I'll, I'll go and work some extra hours so I can afford to do that. You're like, no, I'm gonna do an MVQ. Yeah, I'll do an MVQ. I'll get a certificate and a snog. I probably should have just asked him out for a drink. That's probably the (laughs) the the less introverted way to go about things rather than just hanging around the weight machine. Can you please teach me how to do a clean, you know, um, fill in my MVQ file? (laughs) That was at least in the realms of possibility to ask this instructor. But you can't ask Will Wheaton out for a drink. No, exactly. Necessitating the uh, need to write. Yeah, and it wasn't even Will Wheaton that I wanted. It's Wesley Crusher, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. There's there's all sorts of blurring of reality. Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, so that was that's uh, really troubling, isn't it? <laughs> I, I, no, no, it's brilliant because you know. Well, why do we all do anything? You know, we're always trying to impress someone. That when we look back to the roots of anything, I think yeah. a lot of that kind of creative stuff is is about wanting to get approval from someone and and maybe we've all moved on because you do grow up at some point or you know you'd hope that people come to terms with it and go why am I doing this is it mm. is it to just you know get mum and dad to come to a, a show at some point and go we're really proud of you mm. or is it 
you know, because I really enjoy it. And I think at some point you kind of go, oh, no, I do really enjoy it. And also by that point, you know, you've you're been in. doing it for 15, 20 years yeah. and now you're good at it. And yeah. it's the thing that you can turn your hand to. So, yeah, yeah. You know, we like being able to do the things we're good at as well. So. Yeah, exactly. I, I recently got, um, got a piano. It sounds really posh, but it's not. It's like a, a keyboard, I suppose. Uh, well, it's a keyboard, and um, and I'm I'm learning to play it, and it's like the one of the only things in my life that I am doing with no end goal, and it feels so weird, but it's really creative, and I'm kind of I'm really enjoying it. I'm taking lessons as well, mm. and it's like, yeah, it's really odd to just be doing something for the first time in my life with like no intention of ever showing anyone. Like I don't usually there'd be some hot guy involved. And a, a dream of a concert at some point, and then you know, of course, fame and fortune. But there's not that. It's just for the joy of it, and I find that really troubling. <laughs> like, why am I doing this? There's no certificate or anything. Can I, can I yeah, propose a theory? Go on. Is it because you're comfortable enough? With who you are and yeah. where you are, God, you don't I might need to, be. to gain anything, and you can just relax and enjoy something. And do what it, it is. for me, God, yeah. yeah, God, that sounds like the act three of a thing, and then there'll be a truck. She'll go, oh, <laughs> she's <laughs> so she was she'd found Brother. herself yeah. dead, dead, well, dead. Philosophically speaking, there's a truck waiting for all of us. Isn't there? So <laughs> I hope so your third dark. act, if this is your third act, will be a very, very, very long one. Yeah, they'll have a, there'll be some moral learning about all of this. I should have played piano earlier. Well, <laughs> but, yeah, that, yeah, but yeah. That, that's that's very cool to kind of get to that place. Because you do do you not have that sense about your writing, for example? Is it is it? purely motivated by the idea of an end goal or an outcome I and you just enjoy it for what it is I do love it like I can't like writing is so part of what I do that I forget that other people don't do it so yeah it didn't even occur to me that I do that for just for for myself I've um I always have an end goal like I want to do a thing so I moved on from screenplay to going back to what I suppose what we were chatting about so I moved on from screenplay into uh film uh film so from tv screenplays to sort of film scripts and studied that and then went into writing plays because I was able to get plays on mm. um and and so there's always been like an uh where how is that work going to be seen like so there's always an end goal because I don't I don't get it might be like piano I suppose for me but I don't get people that write and go no one will ever see this mm. and then don't write it why are you writing it if no one's gonna ever see it I don't I don't get that I mean because surely someone will see it you know when they're clearing up your stuff one day and they go oh that was nice or not like why would I do so I do think that sort of story is different and I, I like I like the idea of everyone being able to tell a story and like sharing that is great like that's good but but on the flip side of that I I've tried not writing um and sort of gone through phases of not writing and just become really sad really sad like just become really like you get when I when I have phases where I've not written of 
of going and forgetting to write I've sort of gone god I'm like my head is so full of stuff and you know that sort of a lot I get much worse sort of anxiety or depression and I kind of like I think writing is something that I just have to do so I think I'd like to think that if if I never thought anything would happen with my writing I would be one of those people that would be like yeah I'll still write just for me I don't think it's the way that I'm built though Mm. like I really do think even if I'd be the one standing in the street going read my stuff someone just read it (laughs) you know one of those people I don't know if there are any of those people but I'd be that person but um yeah I'd like to think that I could do it just for me but I I just I think I think I would have to write but I think there's always a goal and whether that that goal to publish in one one way or another if that goal never happens then that's sort of okay but I yeah I don't see it as like an isolated thing. Mm. Is it? Yeah. Is it about um, being understood or under uh, heard in some way? Yeah, I think so. I don't. Yeah, I. I. As... Why does it require you know an audience? I'm, I'm not... No, I think yeah. that um, I like the idea of like. I don't, I don't speak <laughs> well, as you may know from this podcast. I don't. You're speaking very well. Actually. I don't know. It's I very just. Clear. I speak. Andrew always calls it like sushi bar conversation, that he <laughs> he finds endearing. I'm sure of like, I will. You'll get a to- like if you're the listener because it's a bit of a monologue with me. You get, you get, um, <laughs> you get, you just grab, you grab on to a subject and you hold on because at some point I will come back round again. You just got to trust that I will. Look for the blue plates. Yeah, exactly. Just hold on to the blue plates and just know that there will be 10 topics in between, but I will get there. And I think that's what, like, I am getting better over time with it, but I, and Billy Connolly always talks about it as sideways thinking. Mm. Like, I don't go from A to B, I go from A to a A and then A clause two da, 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 and I find that really hard verbally um, to to make myself understood in a really concise way. Mm. Whereas writing is is how I I get my stuff out in a less stammery sort of way in a less um, you know, that kind of way. <laughs> as if to prove my. I don't know, whatever that meant. So that, that hand signal. Clear and... Yeah, uh, like yeah. less... I was going to say less verbose, but I'm not sure I've ever been using that word right. Verbose is like wordy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Is oh, it, so what? less verbose way would make sense, yeah. So yeah. writing is a way to be more concise or just get the stage for a while. So I think it is that. I think, gosh, oh, psychologically, there's a need to be heard. Yes. Yeah, well, for sure. Yeah. That's it's a, a human thing, but it, is, yeah. um, it sounds like it's as useful to yourself because the, sort of the process of ordering your thoughts, which is all writing mm. is, isn't it? That's what language is. It's just uh, ordering your thoughts and uh, refining those things. It ha- yeah. helps your own sort of clarity of mind. It's yeah. I like I like inhabiting like different different thought processes and, and taking them down to the, the 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 
the next degree and the next degree and the you know so I like to go what if which is I think if you're a writer you've got that a bit of addiction to what if mm. which is great but also leads it's what if thinking is like a key part of anxiety and mm. I think if you're not maybe I've just thought about this maybe a little bit and I'm not sure I'm like it can't be an, a forever rule of everything but I think if you're maybe if you're not writing that what if part of your brain is allowed to ruminate far too much certainly for me and my what ifs aren't what if a vampire and then a where that, that that's a fun what if right. but if I'm not writing then it's left to a bit of a what if the kitchen sink floods and then the flood goes to the the floor and then it floods the flat below and we get chucked out of our house and then then we don't have any money for the deposit for another house and then we have to get rid of all our stuff and then it's three o'clock in the morning and I'm running through the bank balance and trying to work out, you know, oh my God, we're going to get evicted, hang on. Praying for a vampire or a werewolf. Yeah, I think that that kind of, of, yeah, to be able to lie in bed at night and try and work out the what-ifs of a a narrative is a lot better for my brain than going, what if the rent bounces, which is a huge concern, not like today, but it's, it's... a big theme of my life is like because I've chosen to be in in a kind of uh, less secure um, salary situation. Mm. Then then it's like it's like a little maybe a strip, isn't it? Of oh well, if you if you actually got a proper job, then you then, then you'd probably be okay. But yeah, lying in bed at night thinking, what if the rent doesn't get paid? <laughs> is probably not as healthy. I don't know, I lost track of that sentence a that, little bit. There's a link um, that you made between you know, the what-if mm. mind of a writer or creative and um, you know that being the same engine that propels anxiety. Yeah. Um, and I'm really recognising, <laughs> like, it's, it's almost uh, like installing a hamster wheel. Yeah. Uh, for, for that animal to go for a run on and tire itself out. Or, yeah, you know. better it be tired out trying to work out your plot points in your yeah. vampire werewolf book than, than be going, you know, what bill comes and then... Yeah. And it's a feature of that, like you say, the... Uh, that sort of lateral thinking, yeah. creative mind, we're making associations and yeah, leaps and, yeah. and stuff like that, giving <clears> that like a uh, a space to play in rather yeah. than letting it run amok and yeah. I definitely like in the last couple of weeks, I I did that that thing of not thinking about anything to do with money until I until one o'clock in the morning and going, I can't sleep. Why can't I sleep? What are the reasons why I can't sleep? How is our money situation at the moment? And then just getting that cold dread as I remembered one certain bill and went... <gasps> and it was because I hadn't... I, In my logical... In my brain, I was like, oh, it's because I haven't written today. And I was like, okay, this isn't... And I'm getting much better at that, of going... With a bit of counselling, you know. Um, of going, this isn't the time for that thought. Thank you. And let's move it somewhere else. So I will, if I'm not going to sleep, I will spend the next 10 minutes lying in bed, working out the plots for this book that I'm writing. And if I still can't sleep, I'm going to get up and do some reading because I'm not going to die of no sleep. But this kind of anxiety feeling is not great. So, mm. but, you know, within 10 minutes, I'm dreaming of, you know, the the 
vampires in my book and, and off to sleep and wake up the next day and go, oh, no, we did pay that bill, you know. It's, it's such a healthy response to it. Yeah. I, I recognise that thing, you know, mm. the, the anxiety of real life. So, yeah. but, and also the thing about, like, sometimes if I can't sleep and I get an idea for something, I can I get too excited about the idea. Yeah. And then I'm lying awake for hours going, yeah. you know, and I've worked out you know, the whole thing. Yeah, and yeah. Sometimes it gets even so bad, it's like, I've got to get up and write this down. Otherwise, I think that's great. I, I have less, like, I have less fear of a sleepless night, she said, probably because, you know, I, I don't have children or a huge amount of responsibility. Like, no one's, no one's going to die if, 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 you know, I'm a bit tired one day. Luckily, I'm not flying planes or out, but, or out. God, where am I from? Or anything. Um, and, but, yeah, I kind of, I've, I've got less concerned over time about a night of no sleep than I used to be. I think that dread of going, I can't sleep, used to be a real problem. And and it's been years since I haven't, like, I've not, sometimes I, I don't sleep for a little bit, mm. but I've got, a, I've got a really firm handle on it now, like a real logic pattern with it of going, yeah, 10 minutes, you're allowed 10 minutes to lie there. And if nothing's happening, you get up and you go read. Or you go do something else. You go watch TV. Have a night watching TV. How cool is that? Even if you're not... I mean, I mean, like that's bonus always night. a real... Yeah, that's always a real bonus for me. I'm not, like, I'm not a party animal. So <laughs> a night of watching Supernatural instead and being just a bit tired the next day. I'll sleep the next night. I'll be really tired, won't I? It'll be fine. Yeah. So I have, I have less... So because the bed cannot be a place of worry. That's 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 yeah. the logic of that. If I'm lying in bed worrying, then they get up and do something else. Yeah. What excites you about making things? I making things. Um, I just like coming. What like producing stuff anything, or anything? Whatever that, whatever that brings to mind. I just like. So I love story. So for all that I want to be heard and, you know, my voice and blah, 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 it's, it isn't ever, it doesn't ever start as that. It always starts as listening to songs or thinking about a setting or thinking about a what if and just falling in love with story and, and more recently with like theatre producing, what I, what I really love is going... I want to do a thing, because they're like little art pieces that I do. So it's like, I want to do a thing where it just feels a bit like this. And then I kind of come up with a vague concept, give it to an artist, and they go, oh, yeah, I could do that. And then they come back with even more fleshed out idea, and I go, yay, and then we do it. That's cool. I love that. I love working with artists, and I love, like, thinking of, like, a, not a set as much as like a mood of a thing mm. a, an artist I work with calls it then the nest of a thing and I think that's a really nice description of mm. thinking of the nest of an idea and what the overall sort of feel and the experience of a thing will be a piece of art will be um for the for the audience and then going okay what is that about and then sort of devising something that's that's really fun and that's that's a step away from straight narrative as well so that's an yeah. interesting new thing that's well, very cool it's, it's like um closer to uh uh originating something 
from the perspective of what the audience experiences. Oh, yeah. Whereas, like, if you're creating a story or something, yeah. you know, the, the, the initial impulse, I guess, is probably your own interest yeah. and uh, experience. Yeah, hoping that you'll um, find your sort of clan yeah. and that you'll be the king of that clan because you're the one creating the world, you know? Being like the king of a gang, going, yeah, I've got all these people reading my stuff. That guy is a lot about the attention, apparently, isn't it? We covered some really good stuff. For that, <laughs> I sound awesome. <laughs> I am not needy at all. Love me. Ooh. No, but we're you all, know. We're all needy. Nothing yeah. Needy. I'm, I build worlds in my mind. <laughs> I There's no actual real life going on in my head at all. I've got no control over that. How can I control the world at all? I know I'll create my own universe where I can write myself into it. I think you've just described <laughs> the human construction of self yeah. and meaning oh really wow well, i'm clever man well no this is i'm not saying you're not i'm saying <laughs> i'm saying it's a punt on my part that that's uh, yeah that's what i was aiming for i was aiming for that but that, that's yeah. what we do isn't it we just like yeah. you know life itself is actually quite simple but then we yeah. have these minds which uh uh are massively powerful yeah and in these times of actually we're fortunate enough to actually very limited danger yes. or problems to solve. Yes. They, they've got plenty of space to just, we yeah. need to occupy them with something. We need to occupy them with like angst and that. Um, and yeah, <laughs> world building. Yeah. Um, and then like tack on a bit of meaning, go, I think this is valuable because I'm saying something about Brexit. No, it's about vampires. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, yeah, I don't know. At the moment, I think the world, the politics and everything at the moment, I'm like, God, an artist should really be making a comment about this. And I've just, I, I heard something about, I was listening to the West Wing Weekly podcast because I love the West Wing. Mm. Um, and uh, Brad Whitford was talking about an episode of it that he wrote and um, he was saying that he'd really loved this idea um, that he got from a news reporter and he he put it in the script twice he loved the phrase so much and it's that we're all hypnotized by the complexity of a situation and i think that's how i feel about everything at the moment i'm like oh god there's so much going on that is like i should be writing about so i've kind of backed away from that and i'm writing stuff about you know as i've mentioned many times that love vampires and werewolves but you know it's allegorical isn't it yeah it's about something yeah, and well, it's sci-fi, isn't it? You can go. Oh, let me put a sheen of like coolness, coolness, <laughs> my kind of cool, geeky coolness over it, and and then no one's, you know, it's probably just, uh, yeah, it probably means loads, really, if I look at it, but I'm not sure. There's people that write. I just saw uh, Carol Churchill's new play at the uh, series of plays at the at the roll court and I was like oh yeah that's probably really really good and says something about the world but I don't know I'm writing about vampires that'll be there's there's a place for that yeah you know, I Carol, love all of that Carol Churchill's doing the Carol Churchill bit you yeah you need to do the Michelle bit yeah yeah that's fine and, and mm. there's also different ways of responding to you know the challenges of whatever or stories of of the time sometimes it's like really direct mm. um confrontational and sometimes you get these weird um you know the, the need for escapism or fancy or, or a, a digestible way yeah. of understanding a situation there you know people need different ways in i guess to yeah to understand and wrestle with things. i think so i think that's a really i think that would be like the 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 biggest hope that i that i 
the the best thing that I could hope for for you know what I'm writing at the moment with with the book that that someone will <laughs> will analyze you know if it's published that's the biggest thing but yeah that someone might read it and go do you know what this is this is something about femininity in the modern age that would be awesome because I think maybe I have included bits that I'm like oh that's 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 a bit highbrow in there oh, I wonder if anyone will spot it but they'll probably, you know but I'm I think there's a huge healthy chunk of escapism and it just being cool and like running around and fighting and that which I'm also fine with and like <laughs> I I think I think that is totally fine. I wanted to write something that made me happy and I wanted to write something that I would love to read. Um, and that's the kind of genre that I do like to read, that kind of new adult sort of... not. It's not young adult because it's a bit more sexy than that, so it's kind of new adult fantasy stuff. Um, I just enjoy... I do enjoy that escapism and that sort of archetypal character stuff and the sort of... the world building around that and the law of that, like the the, the folklore kind of law of that those particular worlds I really enjoy. So, you know, the dream... I suppose the, <laughs> the, like the biggest dream would be that someone goes, that's a, that's a Harry Potter kind of uh of the modern a uh, modern uh, more modern harry potter harry <laughs> potter is quite modern but you know more modern harry potter and then they'll go away and you know study it and come up with all these textual analysis around it and yeah. and apparently find that i'm a genius but if not i'd be really happy if it was just published and i was yeah. able to pay the rent that'd be yeah. really nice as yeah. well totally fine with that and go to comic cons and have like t-shirts and that I'm totally fine with that side of it like if if I if it turns out that I'm like able to write really meaningful stuff that like solves the world that'd be nice yeah but, but I'm know. also fine with like having action figures and that being the total like sum of everything that they go but oh e God. either of those things and depending yes. on on, in, on your proclivity they might be uh, appealing Either the action figure yeah. uh, franchise route or the yeah. uh, amazing, um, like world changing, yeah, flea baggy. No one, no one sets out to make those, do they? No. And, and so I, by that, I kind of pointing towards something you just said, which was like, you know, you write, you said you're writing the thing that you would enjoy reading. Yeah. And I think that's all. That's all you can do, isn't it? It's all yeah. that anyone who makes the stuff that. Yeah. We, we love that they yeah. started by going well, I'm going to make this well, I, I really um, I really got scared of doing that because I went to film school and it was great and wonderful and I had this really um, he was this I forget where he's from but he's like a notorious screenwriter um, and I think he was oh I'm going to get it really wrong now but Eastern European in some way might have been Bulgarian oh gosh it's really embarrassing but I can't but he was like a proper artist <laughs> and he was my tutor and I just in the first year of film school and um and I remember everyone else like we had to bring in in like the first session everyone had to bring in like um clips of films that they really found really inspiring and, and like everyone was bringing in like French New Wave uh, kind of like really deep stuff or horror films but really like just really intense narrative stuff and I brought in Almost Famous because I thought it was cool I love and, and they went and why why did you bring this in you know and they were really open to it and that and I was like because it's 
I like Cameron Crowe, who's like my favourite writer at that time, and I was like, he's, he, it's just really well written, and Vanilla Sky's really good as well, and like, I, I just, and I just, I felt a bit battered by that, and there was no, like, they probably were fine about it, but in my head I was like, oh my god, I'm not meant to be here, proper, what, what, you know. What was the battering? I just, I think, because I didn't know film in at that time and I don't still like you know there's like every 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 field seems to have like facts and figures and uh a sort of not a snobbery but there's like there's proper people that not proper people but there's people that really properly know their stuff mm. and they can like go oh you know the uh the I can't even do an example because I don't know dates of films, but you know, like the the Truffaut, you know, and oh god, I can't even like Battleship Potemkin and Birth of a Nation and blah blah blah, and they could talk about that and and do the actual dates of them and like the director remember names of the directors and that. And I just was never into that. I was into character and story, and I'm fine with that now. And that makes it sound, of course, like I that's a great result. Of course, I should be into that. But that's taken a lot of me rewriting my history. I probably should have learned mm. that stuff as well. Um, but I really wasn't into it. I was into narrative and story. And I remember going into this this tutor at the time, um, going, this is what I want to write, which was a basic rip-off of The English Patient, but in a short film. And, um, and <laughs> I had to film it and edit it. And, oh, my God, it was just the worst experience. And I just remember him sitting there in the first like looking at the script going, are you sure this is your voice? And like, not only had I like ripped off just a generic sort of, you know, I'd turned this piece of work in that was just this generic romance, but also, so it wasn't my voice, but it also wasn't as kind of auteurist as he wanted either. And I was like, but I don't want to be like him and I'm not going to take any of his feedback because mm. that's his opinion. And I also don't, I know that it's not good, but I didn't know what my voice was. And it's taken me a huge long time to go, okay, I'm not, I might, <laughs> I'm quite a good mimic, but I'm not, I shouldn't be mimicking exactly. I should be finding my own narrative within stuff, but it's okay to write to genre. That's okay. You can write genre stuff. So you can write fantasy, vampire, werewolf books, all that's absolutely fine but I think I was so terrified that I was copying that I, I shied away from it and then I don't my voice can fit within that genre stuff without going to something that is equally not me which is writing really for want of a better word worthy beard scratching chin scratching you know thought pieces on film which don't appeal to me why because that's not me either so there's something in between those which is me and that's that's okay and it's taken a long a long time to go I'm just gonna write what I want to read and yeah. that's okay which is you know young young people that are you know vampires and werewolves finding each other attractive and having adventures with swords and running around London that's awesome fine with that you have, but you have to go through that journey, though, don't you? Yeah. And then you have to go through the journey. It would have been nice for that not to have taken, like, 15 years. Because <laughs> <laughs> I 
because I've like I've done a lot of jobs in the meantime and been really sad about my choices. So you know, yeah. would have been nice if I'd had that realization like a day later after that meeting rather than going ah. Oh. But that's but what I was about to say that actually it's not a realization. Well, it's not a, it's not a cognitive journey. It's it, 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 purely you you learn by doing. You yeah. learn by doing a load of stuff that where you're trying to mimic. Yeah, someone. mimicking. You learn. You know, by think oh, I think I should be doing this, or I'll go and do that, and yeah. being miserable with it, and then yeah. finally, I mean, you kind of go, shit, like yeah, and all the like. I love watching. There's this Netflix thing. Oh, what's it called? Oh, Chef's Table. Have you watched it? No. It's about chefs. <laughs> <laughs> Good name. Weird, yeah, and it's so beautifully shot. It's just this most, you know, like food. Can I say a food porn? But it's like that, and it's really pedestaling chefs, and it's like it has little. It's the most beautiful film, uh, filming, and I think it's won awards and stuff. And it's just interviews with these top of their game chefs, and there's lots of slow motion shots with them. You know, smoke, you know, smoke, and over kitchens and beautiful music in the background and they're just and just this narrative of where they got how they got to where they are and pretty much all of them have this exact same journey which is they they start they go i want to be a chef i tried to be a chef in this restaurant this happened little bits of luck here and there but also they had a knockback at some point and and a lot of the time they went what kind of chef am I trying to be? I'm mimicking or I'm this and that mm. and I'm not happy. And then they've had this realisation, almost all of them have gone, hang on, what if I did food that was my background and something that I've grown to love after I've grown up and just merged those together and then suddenly they've created something new and they're an artist and they're mm. amazing and everyone goes, this has soul, this is what we wanted to see from you all along and then success. And, and of course, flying. yeah, and then they're flying and become amazing chefs and I'm, sh I'm sure there's like 5,000 chefs that, that have that exact same journey and then they went, no, this is rubbish, go away. <laughs> but the way that this narrative of this chef table, chef's table is structured is that you go, of course, you do what you love mm -hmm. and you look at your roots, you look at your past, you look at what you loved growing up, what made you like something to begin with, like Star Trek, like fantasy, like things that ignited your soul at the beginning and then you add a bit of something that you've learned along the way about you, bing! That's you know, amazing. isn't that cool? And I was like, I was watching that going, that's an allegory. Oh, is it an allegory? Am I using the word allegory right? I think I am. It's yeah. like a, a story that means something else, isn't it? I studied okay. story, I'm really... <laughs> that's, that, that's very inspiring. So I went on a course a while back and someone gave me a little note that said, it's, it was this writer's course with someone who, <laughs> it was with you, and um, someone gave me this note on it, it was you, and it says, it was like a thing that you had to take away with you, like, um, like I was... 
burbling out stuff about what I wanted and how I wanted to write and and you crystallized that and summarized that and put that into a, a, a note and it was and you did this for everyone and <laughs> you and it was and now I can't remember it <laughs> no it's something along the lines but better than this and less words which is something like uh find time to do something that you enjoy because you deserve it and I put that up on my wall and I see that every day and go yes I have to write I've forgotten what the question was but yeah that's so, uh, yeah yeah how you're kind to yourself that's so. how I'm kind to myself I go I look at that and go oh do I deserve it because there's a really big voice in my head that goes no you're tw- <laughs> no you don't deserve anything go away go sit sit on your own and be horrible because you're horrible um, so I have to go, no voice, somebody said I deserve to find time to do stuff. And, um, so I look at that and I go, have I written today? Is that what I want to do? Cause that's important as well. If it becomes a chore, mm. much as you have to be strict with your own timetabling, cause a lot of your brain can go, I don't want to write. I want to watch Supernatural cause it's research and it's not research. Sometimes, sometimes it is just watching Supernatural. Um, so yeah, but if you want to write and, and you think that that would be something that you deserve to do, then you should do it. And sometimes you should do it if you think that you shouldn't do it. But anyway, yeah, being kind to yourself, yeah, Mm -hmm. is about, yeah, doing, doing what you enjoy and finding time for it. I don't know. Do we need to be kind to ourselves? Yes. Do we? Why? I'm just saying yes. (laughs) <laughs> do we? You don't, you, I, don't, I don't know. Isn't, uh, yeah. It's such a luxury, isn't it? I don't think so. I think uh, the way I think about it is, you know, there are, what is it, nine billion people on the planet and mm. each of us is responsible for one nine billionth of that. Yeah. And on that basis alone, you know, we've got to pull our weight and be a bit of kind. Well, if you can't be kind to yourself, you know. Yeah. I suppose who else is going to be? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's, there's someone that goes, because you're a twat. <laughs> you, you live here. <laughs> I live in this brain. I have to, you know, be kind to myself because, you know. Let's continue on the positive, yeah. kind part. Yeah. What, um, what have you done creatively or in your kind of creative mm. life that you're especially proud of? Oh, tons. No, I am really, I'm really proud of Cast Iron Theatre, which I set up with Andrew, mm. my partner, and um, I think he set it up and then I just sort of half took over it, which is fine. Um, but yeah, we, I'm really proud of Cast Iron, because it's, um, it's just great, and we try and be creative in different ways and produce work and provide a platform for writers and directors and, and uh, actors and stuff in Brighton. Um, and we do our own stuff as well, so it's not, you know, it's it's great for us to, to push ourselves and be creative. Um, so I'm proud of that. I'm proud that I, I was thinking about on the way here that, because I, I listen to music and I think of stories through music, and I was walking along in the drizzle as the night was drawing in, and I love this time of year when it's all gloomy and stuff, I love it. Mm. And I was watching all the cars go past and thinking, you know, gosh, if I if I had a another job, I could get a car or, you know, learn to drive better. 
and because um, I do know how to drive, I just choose not to because it's it's a safety thing for everyone else. Um, and uh, and I just I was listening to my music in the drizzle with my hood up, going. I wonder if this is incredibly juvenile to be walking along, getting my heart rate raised by music and thinking of stories and having it like having it all the images from it explode in my head. Is that is that arty or is that juvenile? And maybe I should grow up. And I just thought, no, I'm really proud that I never forgot that. And I I I used to like that was all I did growing up. Like I used to, I used to have so many jobs from like quite a young age like paper rounds or I was quite a, like on my own from quite a young age in a little bubble and I I that's how I and that's what I did I listened to music and thought of stories and then wrote them down and 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 I thought gosh I'm 39 now and I'm still doing it and it's the one thing that is the consistent thing in my life and I'm so proud of that that I've not stopped it. And that's good. I find that really touching to hear. Yeah. Oh. That's amazing. You've had kind of hold, held yeah. on to that. To be, remember to how to, it's like meditation. Mm. To remember how to click into that story world and that it's, it is so like meditation that you just, the music is on and it's always, I've got to walk while I'm doing it, but yeah, to walk and, and have stories and just have this free imagination time is, and be quite childlike with it, mm -hmm. you know, that's cool. I like that. That playful yeah. spirit. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, like that. Do you have um, any nuggets of wisdom that you picked up along the way that you find yourself returning to? Nuggets of wisdom. I don't know. Hmm. I probably do, but I probably like in a massive. I was just thinking, gosh, I wonder if massive in a massively narcissistic way. I've kind of, I can't remember ever anyone ever giving me any brilliant advice, and I've just sort of absorbed it into my own thing of I thought this once and I've just deleted <laughs> that really amazing person from my head because I don't know that I have nuggets of wisdom that I come up with in my head they're all mine but I wonder if they are but um, <coughs> whether or not they you, you can credit them to anyone else. and that's what I'm thinking like yeah. someone might go I told her that yeah. that's my well, nugget well let, copying leaving leaving free like, then the, yeah. or, the author of that are there any so, things that ideas or thoughts you kind of come back to as a bit of a as kind of touch for creativity mm. I think just just to write just keep right so if you're you know if you're a writer just to keep writing there's loads and loads and loads and loads of tips about writing mm. and that's great and they're all really useful um, but you can get a bit drowned in them mm. so the the and it's probably Stephen King that says it, that, that just keep writing. And there's an also Chuck Wendig, Wendig? Mm. I'm not sure I said his name out loud before, but yeah, he's uh, just, he always, they both of them just say, write, write, just keep writing. Don't, don't go back and look at it and go, that's rubbish in the first draft or even maybe the second draft, but just write forwards, just write. 
just keep writing and don't don't question it until until it's done that's uh, you know that's really helpful for me that I just just write forwards and then look at it afterwards and go what does this what is this and then delete a lot <laughs> that's very practical though yeah really get it done just get it done just get it done just sit down and write and finally yes what's uh, what's inspiring at the moment what's kind of uh, mm -hmm. topping your little creative heart up oh at the moment I may have mentioned it supernatural <laughs> I love it oh my god Why? I could geek what? out so massively about what, this what's so uh, what's so wonderful about supernatural so, sell it to me so well top of the list mm. <laughs> is it going to be a boy it's such oh a boy my oh my god <laughs> I go I've reached this really inappropriate age, I think, where I'm just like really open and going, oh, look at those young men. Um, which is, it's always been there, but I've been much less vocal about You're it. You're much older than Wesley Crusher, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. If you don't ever watch back, don't ever watch back. That's a good tip as well. Back on tips. Don't look at your childhood things because they're horrific. I didn't realise Sequest DSV was written for children. I thought it was really adult while I was watching it. I was like, this is complex. This is really complex. And then I watched it back and it was really not that complex. I mean, Stephen, no, not Stephen King, Steven Spielberg. I mean, it's like, it's it's four kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, 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 the arguments in every episode are just like, child-based arguments are like, so it's really bad. So supernatural. Yeah. Supernatural. So, on a superficial level, yeah. it's two brothers, <laughs> two brothers who, it's, it's just, it's episode per week, initially, so it's been going for 14 seasons, I think they're filming the 14th now, so there's, and they're all on Amazon Prime at the moment, so I started this about six months ago, I was like, I'll never watch Supernatural, and this is all oh, I do now, because I have yeah, I mean, yeah. like, I watch about an episode a day. It's like, I don't nap. I don't like napping because of the fear of not being able to sleep at night. It's not a fear, but, you know, like, yeah. I don't want to mess with that system of going to sleep. So thing. instead of napping, I, I, I do a 40-minute episode of Supernatural. That's, like, my nap because it's that much brain power. <laughs> so there's two brothers. There's two brothers. Hottie it's like, and Hotter. Uh, yeah, there's, there's Hot One and then the younger one. And then there's, there, it's a, it's essentially a road. It begins as a road, um, a road drama, I suppose. So new town every week, new monster every week. Mm -hmm. um, and then within like the first sort of series, they started realizing that actually the relationship between the brothers is really interesting. And it's back in that time as well when when TV moved from episode per week drama that you can pick up and. You, you, you haven't missed anything if you've missed the last episode. And it evolves over 14 years to be, you have to have seen the episode before. Mm. Um, which is really fascinating to watch that evolution of a series. But yeah, it starts out episode per week, monster per week, um, and essentially a road uh, movie, but a road TV series where they're in a different town every week and there's like a character per week that, that you know, someone's snogging and then whatever. But it, it really... It's so good because it knows that it's not good. So it's great. It doesn't take itself seriously. There are episodes where they play the actors playing themselves, playing the characters. So they go to an alternate, yeah. 
They go to an, I think that's right. They go to an alternate universe where they are, the they play the actor's name. So they play themselves playing the characters of Dean and Sam in a world where there's no supernatural magic. And they're like, oh my God, we're these shallow, horrible people. And then the people in real life on the set play versions of themselves in, in this episode. There's episodes that are, in, there's an episode in black and white. There's an episode just from the point of view of the car. So everything's filmed inside the car and then there's scenes that are just going off a little bit further away. They just are, and then they walk up having an argument and get into the car and you've only seen it from the car. It's, it plays with, there's like, there's like at some point there's the, there's a writer doing Pulp Fiction books about Supernatural that then get turned into um, a kids drama production of Supernatural that they like walk in on and go hang on what and then they deal with the kind of there's like a sort of homoerotic is that the right word like a kind of love <laughs> a, a love yeah, interest yeah. thing that they don't like the fans in real life the fans are like oh my god they fancy each other but they've never dealt with it on screen but the <laughs> but the kids in this show go well they clearly fancy each other and they're like what into, it's so, is it, I suppose, quite meta. It's so, And then, like, they'll do a random look to camera every now and again. And you look, what's it? So it's sort of Fleabag-esque. It's not Fleabag-esque at all. It's nowhere. <laughs> it it's good. so interesting. And it also, it it evolves. There, It's troubling at the start. Like, there are some comments that wouldn't happen now. Like, it's got sexism in it. That's, well, I'm sure it's got sexism all the way through. But it's like this... That it's interesting to see us evolve as a like a what we'll accept as an audience as well mm. you know that there's there's some troubling dialogue at the beginning that you're like mm, I'm not sure 14 years ago I'm not sure you'd get away with that now but yeah they kind of evolve as men as well which is really god I'm like selling I'm gonna be so embarrassed listening back to this <laughs> it's basically the hot boy I also I'm on writer's community writing community on twitter and there's this girl that this person that i've never met um and we just send each other gifts of the hot boy in it just mostly all day long for most of most days of the week we just send each other gifts of this hot guy it's really really juvenile <laughs> it's great yeah it's, good. it's funny supernatural then yeah Take really i really enjoy it but yeah it's in no way is it highbrow so you know go for that <laughs> Well, thank you very much, Michelle. Thank you. For hanging out and talking. It's been really good. It's been lovely. Thank you. Um, yeah, and good luck with your book. Oh, thank you very much. All right. Um, inspiration when Michelle talked about it with reference to uh, the chef's table about this idea of uh, connecting with what you loved originally that originally moved you or spoke to your soul and uh, fusing that with the things that you've learnt about yourself along your life's journey and that's how you create something new um, and yeah she explained it so wonderfully and it was 
it's inspiring to hear and listening back to it had that same feeling and the other moment that really touched me was uh, how she described her sense of pride at staying connected with that kind of childlike imaginative um, way of being or state of mind wherein she would connect with stories and build them and listen to music and immerse herself in these worlds and how she's hung on to that spirit um, all the way through to into her writing now and yeah, it was so lovely to hear her describe that in in that really proud way because I think it is something to hang on to that spirit of imagination um, and it's something that's really important to me as well and sometimes I fear that lose it or it gets kind of diluted or tamped down by you know the sort of heaviness of I guess being an adult and having those responsibilities but also you know the weight that we sometimes put on our creative endeavors needing to achieve a particular outcome or get us to a particular place you know and uh, sometimes losing sight of that lightness and the joy of just uh, you know, building those little worlds and uh, letting our imaginations run away with us. So thank you, Michelle, for that, that inspiration. And um, yeah, touching, heartwarming. Thank you for listening as well. Um, as ever, I'll direct you back to the other episodes of Creative Loving Spirit. There's episodes that uh, feature conversations with other writers filmmakers, musicians, artists, all kinds of things um, and each of them offer a little bit of their experience and heart about what's involved in making the things that they love to make. Um, so you can find those on Apple Podcasts or on my website paulmccauley.net and as well as a few other podcast streaming platforms. Um, and you can, of course, subscribe. There's one remaining episode in this run of the podcast coming um, next week or asynchronously to wherever and whenever you're listening to this. Um, so look out for that one. Thanks for listening. And if you're making stuff, have fun with it. Cool. Okay, bye.